Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hey there, movie fans. Welcome to Collider Videos for your consideration, our weekly film series that tracks the ups and downs of award season, leading right up until the Academy Awards on February 9th, 2020. Joining me as always, actually, for the first time in a while, we have the three of us are together, the amazing Perry Nemiroff, welcome back. I'm so happy to be back. I was so sad when I missed out, but yeah, at least it was, for, it was for a good reason. I was doing another cool thing, but I missed you guys. But I love this guy, but yes, it is great to have you back, Perry. The mighty Jeff Snyder. We yes. have a lot to get through. I'm sorry that I missed an episode as well. It sounds like you guys had fun on that we one. So, but the three of us are back <laughs> together. It's a reunion, and we got a lot to get through. So let's get right to it with this morning's SAG Awards nomination. Lots to talk about, lots of surprises, lots of snubs, uh, especially let's start with best cast in a motion picture. This is the SAG Award equivalent of best picture if you're going to compare apples to apples with the Oscars. You have Bombshell, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. We got two surprises here in this category. Let's talk with the four nominations overall for Bombshell, Perry. I, I mean, the second I started scrolling down the list, I realized that SAG was just an organization that was very much behind Bombshell. Uh, I know we differ on this one, Jeff. I really took to Bombshell, and I was happy to see not only the ensemble nomination, but I was happy that uh, Nicole Kidman was included as a single award as well, because I thought she was the one that was going to get bumped off the list. But, you know, looking at the, the five nominees here, I can't pick... A single one to take off the list. I think the one that I am most sensitive about being omitted from the list, I take it back to that I'm very upset about. Little Women being snubbed across the board, but also I thought that this was an opportunity for Knives Out to continue to shine. I was hoping that its early award recognitions that we've seen in the nominations thus far was a sign that that would continue to make noise, but it didn't happen with the SAG. Lots of snubs here in terms of uh, no nominations for Little Women, Knives Out, also Two Popes completely snubbed. I mean, 
Downton Abbey. I mean, I don't know if that's really a snub, but, you know, they love uh, uh, th- th- that movie very much. Also, 1917, which, which is a movie that I think will still shine at the Oscars, and especially in the technical categories. Also, Richard Jewell, just between the SAG Awards, the Golden Globes, and the Critics' Choice Awards, not a lot of love for Richard Jewell. But what do you think of the, of the snubs here, Jeff? And what do you think of the nominees for Best Cast? I mean, De Niro has certainly been losing some steam, it seems like, which is a little surprising. I thought they'd kind of give it to him as like a career sort of thing, which, you know, I don't really believe in that much. But it's true. Like, how many times are we going to get to see De Niro being this good? So I thought that he would uh, have a little bit more support. But people are really focusing on Pacino and Pesci. Well, in, in defense of De Niro, they are giving him a career achievement award at the school. That is true. Game. I did mm-hmm. see that. So, so that, I mean, you know, they could be like, okay, well, we're going to give him the career achievement. So let's uh, let's try to spread the wealth for Best Actor to some of the other other nominees. But no, I still think that he should have been nominated. But, but <laughs> I mean, the thing about that, it's it's not like the, a critics group where you're getting together and coming to a collective decision. That's pe- people are voting for these things. And De Niro just simply didn't get the votes. I well, think. Uh, some some other information about the Screen Actors Guild Awards: you have 160,000 members mm-hmm. that include broadcast, uh, screen, and also radio. They, these 160,000 members vote for the winners, but there is a SAG nominating committee. The NOMCOM. 20, a NOMCOM, yes, that's what they call it, yep. of 2,500 SAG members that vote for the nominees. And those 2,500 who voted for the nominees were seeing the results of this. Uh, I would say that Parasite is also a big, big inclusion here in mm-hmm. Best Cast because it is only the second time in the history of the SAG Awards that a foreign film got nominated for Best Cast. The last time was for 1997's Life is Beautiful. Parasite really picking up a lot of steam here. Jeff, what do you think? I mean, I think Parasite has always been a force to be reckoned with. It was just a matter of are people going to look at it like a foreign language film or just judge it on its merits, which I think... I thought it was very good, the movie. I just didn't love the ending, and I think that a lot of people feel that way. So yeah, even if it does manage to get a Best Picture nomination in the end, I don't really see it as a potential winner. What do you think, Perry, about Marriage Story not getting Best Cast? Not getting Best Cast. I think it comes from the fact that you know, I look at this list and all of them really feel like true ensemble pieces to me. Of course, we have individuals getting nominated for their work in these movies as well. But whereas, you know, Bombshell, it's like when I think of Bombshell, I think of the three of them. And I also think of the people behind them. Same thing with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all of them for that matter. But when I think about Marriage Story, it's Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. It feels like it is it's mostly like there to promote their lead performances, which I think this serves the movie well overall. But really, the only one we're talking about, other than the two of them, is Laura Dern. And to me, the three of them doesn't necessarily constitute an ensemble nomination. That's totally fair. I, I See, I, I agree with your points to an extent, but I also felt like when, it, when you look at a film like Marriage Story, I feel like the performances, no matter how big or how small, all of these performances are great. Yes, Laura Dern, but also Alan Alda, even Ray Liotta and Julie Haggerty. They're all great. I do feel like that Marriage Story should have been nominated for Best Acting Ensemble. And in some ways, the fact that it did not reminded me of three years ago when 
La La Land, which is a movie that Marriage Story does kind of remind me of a little bit. Take out the music. There are a lot of similarities between La La Land and Marriage Story. I'm not just saying that because sure. I love La La Land. No, I can see wait, it. Wait, wait. So are you saying that you think La La Land should have gotten ensemble? No, no, no. No, I think La La Land was right oh, okay, just to okay. get okay. actor and yeah, actress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I feel like that Marriage Story does feel more like an ensemble than La La Land. But I do see why it, it didn't. I see your points of why it didn't get nominated for Maybe Best Maybe I'm also not devaluing those other performances that you just named. This mm. is more of like the narrative that is forming as far as predicting these nominations go. Moving on to lead actor, okay, for the SAG Awards. We had Christian Bale, Ford Ferrari, which I thought was was great that the Ford Ferrari got some love. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Taron Egerton. What do you think of this? Okay, first of all, so he got nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Rocket Man itself also got nominated for Best Picture Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes. Taron Edgerton's presence here, I think, is a big boost because of the first of all, Sagnomcom or not, the actors branch makes up the biggest branch of the Academy. And the fact that Taron Edgerton came through here, which was a surprise, does boost his chances for a nomination at the Oscars. What do you think? I love this surprise. So when I saw this movie for the first time when it came out, I believe it was back in May. I liked it a lot, but I don't think I really appreciated all the nuances in his performance and just all of like the technical achievements in that movie until I saw it a second, a third, a fourth time. Mm. And now I've watched it too many times. And really, I think that that movie should be in the conversation even more so than just Taron Edgerton. But, you know, I can't really talk about him getting into this category without talking about the Robert De Niro snub, which is probably one of the biggest surprises thus far this award season for me, because I really did think he was a lock in this category. That was a no-brainer pick for me. And now I'm at the point where probably going to bump him out of my five for the Oscars, and I might give the five spot to Taron Edgerton. Okay, I still think that uh, even though De Niro did get snubbed for a lead actor nomination for the SAG Awards, I think the fact that he does, he is getting a career achievement award is a big factor in that. And I think that the SAG NomCon members knew that, and I still think that De Niro is still a front runner for 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 the acting uh, best actor at, at, at the Oscars. But, I, so, yes, I think he would fare better with, with the Academy as well. But but also, um, you know, you have all these other other uh, surprises here, you know, snubs rather, in addition to De Niro. Uh, Eddie Murphy did not get nominated. Uh, Antonio Banderas did not get nominated. Jonathan Price did not get nominated. I mean, Adam these, Sandler. Adam Sandler for, for Uncut Gems did not get nominated. So right now with the best acting category, I would say my new locks, the ones that I believe in the most to get Oscar nominations are probably Leo Adam Driver, and Joaquin Phoenix, the three of them that have SAG, Critics' Choice, and Golden Globes right now. Mm-hmm. De Niro, I'm not necessarily completely bumping off this, but all of a sudden he goes into that pool of, you know, anyone could get those last two slots amongst this really great deserving group. So I don't know. I'm very much on the fence about him I, now. I think that the snubs really reflect a visibility issue. Uh, like when you look at Antonio Banderas, I don't think many people have seen Pain and Glory. I don't think that screener's at the top of the pile. Fair enough. I don't think Uncut Gems is – it hasn't been released yet. I don't think it's been widely screened, really. So I, that could be an issue. Well, De Niro also did get snubbed at the Golden Globes for Best Actor in a Drama. But, again, you know, the Golden Globes – okay, you're talking about 2,500 SAG 
members that voted for the nominations. You talk about 87 members of the Hollywood Farm Press for the Golden Globes. I feel like just overall the Golden Globes get so much attention and they're just not as credible as any of these other groups. Yes, but as far as predicting Oscar nominations go, the fact that it gets so much press, so much attention, that does play a part in this when all those names are announced that night and De Niro isn't one of the names on the list all of a sudden you're hearing different people instead of him "Hmm." that could influence how the Oscars go what do you think that's here I I mean has the Hollywood Foreign Press ever really appreciated De Niro like I just don't think he he has one uh he has one golden globe for Raging Bull and he was nominated I think like eight times uh, De Niro, but uh, but no, I, I, I so so he's on one in his entire career, one in his entire career. Yeah, like yeah. I, I feel like they don't really love him. You know, they never really have. Otherwise, he'd maybe have won a few more Golden Globes. Um, so I, I just I wasn't that surprised. I, I also don't think that this is a movie that really appeals to like foreign journalists, you well, know, female actor in a leading role. You have Cynthia, Cynthia Arrivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Lupita Nyong'o yeah. for us, Charlie Starr <laughs> for Bombshell, Renee Zellweger for Judy. I, I would say that, that especially after Lupita Nyong'o did get nominated uh, for, for, she was nominated. Was she nominated for uh, Critics' Choice? She was nominated for not Critics Golden Choice, Globe. Not a Golden Globe, but she was nominated for a SAG Award. So I knew you would I'm be very so, happy. I'm about so that. happy. I like. I am beaming over this announcement. Obviously, I'm a little sad that Saoirse Ronan and Aquafina aren't on the list, but I'm happy to see Lupita get the uh, recognition. I think she well deserves for that movie. And the other interesting one here, I think, is Cynthia Erivo. Her performance in Harriet is phenomenal. But I was wondering if the quality of that movie overall, which I do not think was a terrible movie by any means. It's not a great it's movie just, yeah. you know, I went into Harriet thinking this one was going to be a major force this Oscar season. And the movie overall didn't really do it for me. But her performance is a different story. What's your take on it's, this category? It's the same sort of thing with the visibility issue. I don't think that that many people have seen Little Women yet with, with Saoirse Ronan. I don't think many people have seen Clemency yet with Alfre Woodard. Right. Like, these are late right. December releases. I just wouldn't count them out yet. Well, I wonder if this could be an issue with um, Little Women also. Because Little Women is Sony, right? Yeah. So what if maybe they're just putting all their eggs in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood basket? That no. is they don't have a Best Actress uh, contender in that. They, they, they're, they're, they they're don't, but I'm just, I'm just talking about time and resources because I do think we are starting to see that with Netflix as well. It's all the Irishman and marriage story. I think you're seeing two popes starting to slip. You're seeing Dolomite starting to slip. And really, if the brand name Netflix, the brand name Sony wants Oscar contenders – it's a smart business move to put I, more of your resources behind your likely nominees. I think Little Women is could play the spoiler. I mean, it, you know, if enough people take to that and rally behind that, that's the sort of film that could upset an Irishman once upon a time split. You that know might I mean? be the case. That could I be mean, the beneficiary. You already named a couple titles. We still have to wait to hit theaters this if, uh, by the end of the calendar year, and that could really change like the course cats, of the conversation. Right, no oh, cats. Oh, here we no go. With cats. cats. I feel like that was one of those things with the Golden Globe. Globes. If the HFPA didn't uh, didn't take the yeah. cats, that was a sign that it's not really an awards contender. In defense, yeah. here we, here I go playing the contrarian Minus with cats song. here. Is that not a, apparently not a lot of HFP, HFPA members went and actually saw cats, even though cats was screened in an unfinished form <laughs> for the HFPA. Uh, a lot of the members were not able to make that screening. So I still say, you know, 
where, where I know a lot of us are seeing cats on Tuesday, December 17th, uh, which is uh, going to have a one-two punch of Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, day. and cats. It's going to be an interesting feature. couple of days. Uh, but uh, Aquafina not getting nominated for lead actress, uh, I was really disappointed. I really just believe in that film, and I believe in her in this movie. So, uh, But again, uh, it's just the fact that so many of these categories between all these nominations over the last few days are all over the place in some ways is really awesome. But lead actor in a supporting role, Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Jamie Foxx nominated for Just Mercy. Snubbed here were Anthony Hopkins for Two Popes and Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. Perry, what do you think of supporting actor? Really, Jamie Foxx is the surprise for me. I mean, to be honest, I have not seen Just Mercy yet because <laughs> I moved that down in my urgency pile as far as things that I had to watch ASAP. So, I mean, now it kind of just put Just Mercy back on my radar more so than it was before. But, you know, the the rest of them, that like, that's our group here. That's, yeah, that's who we true. knew yes. was going to get in. What about you? Well, I warned you guys not to overlook Jamie Foxx for Just Mercy. Yes, you did. did. You did I, thought of, I thought of you when I was reading the SAG Award nominations, Jeff, because of Jamie Foxx. Just Mercy is, is winning all these audience awards at all these regional festivals. Like, it, it really is sort of sneaking up on people. And, I mean, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I thought, you know, someone like Aldous Hodge and Clemency was playing a very mm-hmm. similar role to Jamie Foxx was just as good. Um, but Jamie Foxx is someone who... who you know he's a frequent now he's a he's an oscar winner he he's someone who people feel comfortable like voting for and and i think that he could sneak in this year t- into the supporting actor field okay after Sup- this you know yeah, yeah right supporting actress we have laura dern marriage story scarlett johansson jojo rabbit a double nominee for scarlett johansson i I love Jojo Rabbit. I think it's a, a terrific film. Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, and also surprise here uh, because we haven't seen her name in, a, in too many of these uh, things happening towards the end of the year now. Nicole Kidman also for Bombshell. No Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, and uh, no Shuzen Zhao for The Farewell. But Nicole Kidman. Included here. So what do you think of uh, supporting actress? Distracted by the lack of Florence Pugh in this category. Because <laughs> at this point, uh, if I were voting for these honors, Florence Pugh would be at the top of my list. She is at the top of my list in organizations that I'm a part of. So to see her omitted from this is very upsetting. But I am a big bombshell fan. And I said this the first time we brought the movie up. I thought that Nicole Kidman was going to get overlooked just because her performance is a little more understated compared to, let's say, Margot Robbie and Charlize Theron. So I am... I'm happy to see her in the mix with them as well. But Florence Pugh to me is just I, I, inexcusable. Yeah, well, I mean, she's had three great performances and three great movies this yeah. year. Go ahead. I haven't seen uh, Little Women yet. I'm seeing it tomorrow night. But I Ooh. did watch Bombshell again last night with, with Stephanie. I'm so um, curious. Know what you you know, because I, I felt like, you know, I, I needed to give it a, a, a fairer shake. And I maintain everything that okay. I said. But Nicole Kidman is clearly the best one in this movie. She has the trickiest role, and she does wonders with, with with it. She's really, really good as Gretchen Carlson. And I know that you know Charlize is getting all the attention, and it's because of the transformation. I mean, she's great as Megan Kelly. Don't get me wrong; the voice change and everything, like she nails her mannerisms. But I just think that uh, Kidman did a better job. So I'm I'm thrilled that she got in, and like because that would have been terrible if the other two were recognized and she weren't. Mm. Well, well, what's with Richard Jewell? I mean, I feel like other than Wait, Kathy well, Bates at the Golden Globes. But what was the story with Kathy Bates that she submitted for the wrong category or oh, something? That's 
right. She yeah, submitted for lead. lead. I, I breezed lead. through that headline Which this morning. throws off this entire category. Like, now you don't know if Nicole Kidman would get in, right? Well, well it I, feels like no one's talking about Richard Jewell in general, so I don't even know yeah, if Kathy yeah. Bates would have gotten in. And, you know, I, I did finally watch Richard Jewell, and I think my biggest takeaway from that movie is Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah. If I got behind anybody's Oscar campaign for that production, it would be him in lead actor. Absolutely. But, that, you know, I thought it was a, a good movie. Well, Sam Rockwell I'm just was not, also very good. I thought Sam Rockwell was, was great. great. I thought Kathy Bates was great, but that's not a movie that I'm necessarily going to be singing its praises through awards season. So you think it's more of a crowd pleaser than an Oscar contender. Probably. Gotcha. No, I think I think, Paul I think Walter it, I Hauser think it is might great. play well wide release this weekend. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope and you know what? If it does play well wide release, it could still pull a rabbit out of its head when it came to the Academy Awards. So that's the SAG Awards. And just touch base real quickly on the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, There are about 400 members, uh, uh, voting members, in the Critics' Choice Association. Irishman led the way with 14 nominations, 12 nominations for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nine for Little Women versus zero at the SAG Awards, Uh, 19, 17, and Marriage Story got eight nominations, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Paris with seven uh overall no real surprises to me for the critics choice award nominations uh, uh all, other than the fact that uh, uh netflix is really uh, killing it between the critics choice awards and the golden globe nominations i think it got what like 17 nominations at the golden globes netflix did between two popes between uh Mar story irishman and dolmite uh the golden globe nominations uh, noah bombach's marriage story led the way with six nominations although it was not nominated for best director which i'm actually okay with as long as it gets like screenplay i'm good with that but otherwise the uh golden globes Really, just for shame, no directors, none of them were women. None of them. Wrong. Wrong. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, between The Farewell and Honey Boy, which is a terrific movie, and definitely Little Women, and no women were not nominated for Best Director at the Golden Globes. Are we we going there now? Should we... Do it. Should we go? go do yes. It. But should we roll into like our actual predictions too for that category? Because uh, it's all tied to that. Well, okay, go ahead. Why don't you do that? Okay, okay so best wait, director. Wait. So we want to we go into it. Best director for the Golden Globes. It was Bong Joon Ho for Parasite, Sam Mendes for Sam Mendes for seven, uh, 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese, Irishman, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So do you want me to name my number one? Go. So my number one right now in the Best Director category for a possible Oscar nomination is Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. I still think he is the front runner. I think I have a couple of them here that I would label sure things. He is the surest of the bunch. Okay. All right. What's your take on Best Director at the Golden Globes? At the Golden Globes? I mean, I, I think that uh, Quentin is in the lead, just like whether it's a Globe or an Oscar. Uh, Quentin would be, be my number one at this point. I'm going with Bong Joon-ho for Parasite for the Golden Globes because, again, this is the Hollywood foreign press. Oh, you're predicting who's going to win the Globe. Yeah, yeah. I'm very confused oh, as to what's going on. I just my number one for our, for our Oscar predictions. Okay, well, 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 well that's good because uh, I, I also think that uh, Bong Joon-ho is, is a strong contender to win the best Oscar for directing. What are we talking about here? We've got to clear this up. Are we talking about the Globes or are we talking about the Oscars? We're talking about the Oscars. All right, yeah. Let's do that. Okay, okay so you have Bong Joon-ho for your number one spot. Mm. I have Scorsese for my number one spot. Do you have Tarantino in yours? Yes. Okay. Well, that's 
That is also my number three and my number two. Okay, so we have three different choices for number one. That's like that makes for a really fascinating race. Yeah, yeah. It sure does. And also, let's just you know get into to best picture now that all these uh, uh, you know the SAGs and the Golden Globes and the Critics Choice have all sort of weighed in. I. I you know, a lot of people, especially on Gold Derby, they have the Irishman as their their top pick for Best Picture. Then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, I've been sort of like going back and forth on this a lot, but just based on the strong showing of of Parasite and just the fact that I love Parasite so much and everyone loves Parasite. Uh, I mean, you know, I was doing a Q and A with Ryan Johnson for uh, for uh, for Collider FYC, and and he said Parasite was his best favorite movie of the year. I mean, I just feel like. Parasite could really just come through really, really strong and, and surprise everyone because, because you know, Parasite isn't – it's not a Netflix movie. Parasite – It's better than Roma. Are you talking Roma. about Parasite winning Best Picture right now? Yes, I am. That's so not going to happen. When we, look at, when we look at Gold Derby right now as far as your top choice, my top choice isn't necessarily the person I think is going to win. That top choice is the most likely to get nominated. And while I would have in a category of most likely to get nominated right now, you know, my pick, The Irishman, uh, Parasite, even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think that the best picture win race is freaking wide open. Like, there is no way I could come close to predicting what could win at this point because I think we need to ride out the rest of the year and see how the conversation goes because there's too many things in contention right now. Okay, so so I got Bong Shun Ho. He's he's my number one. Uh, you've got Scorsese yes. and you've got Tarantino. All right, so then Jeff, who's your number four? <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Who's your number two? Who's your number two? My number two. Uh, that that would be Martin Scorsese. Okay, so okay, and your number two is my number two is Tarantino. Okay, all right. So then, all right. So all right. So then, who's your number three, Jeff? Uh, Bong Joon-ho, yes. And who's yours, Perry? Mine is Bong Joon-ho. Okay, all right. So our number one, two, and three all match. Yes, our orders we have the are top different. three contenders. Okay, yes. so then who's your number four? I mean, I haven't seen it. I'm seeing it tonight, but Sam Mendes, I, I think, for 1917. I just got a good feeling well. about that one from what I mean, I've look, heard. I, I, the, the further I get away from that screening, the more I think of that film as an accomplishment more than as, a, as an overall satisfying movie. But I think that the way it's directed – the choreography, it's, a, you know, like when you have a movie that's not a musical and you're still talking about choreography, I think that's a big thing. And uh, I think that it's such a, a visual wonder, such a technical accomplishment. I think the further I get away from it, the more I think that everything in it should be recognized. Like, I, I think it's kind of criminal that the two leads in that movie are not getting a little more recognition because I think we are, and I'm not saying distracted as in it's a bad thing, but when you have a technical accomplishment like that, that is going to consume the spotlight, cinematography and directing on that movie. And I think it's making it too easy to overlook smaller details like the performances, which I really think that George McKay should be in the conversation right now. He is something else. And and even uh, Dean, I'm going to mix up all of his names That's now. That's okay. The two guys. Dean Charles oh, Chapman. Dean Charles Chapman. Thank you. <laughs> I almost said like Dean Chapman. I don't know what I was going to say. But anyway, I think that their work in that is phenomenal. But the story of 1917 and its road to the Oscars is going to be, look at this incredible technical achievement. And Sam Mendes won his Oscar 20 years ago for American Beauty. And that was his first movie, and he, you which know, is unfairly maligned in the eyes of Oscar bloggers these days. What American Beauty? Yes, I love American Beauty. Oh, people crap all over American Beauty these days. They I look back at it and they say, "How really? can we have we champion this movie for Best Picture?" 
It deserved to win. I it? think it deserved to win, too. I loved American Beauty. All right, it's number five. I'm going, I'm just going to say Greta Gerwig for Little Women. I know you haven't seen it yet, but uh, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of good honorable mentions we'll get to in a second. But I think that what Greta Gerwig did with, with, uh, with, uh, Jesus. With Little, little Women, women <laughs> uh, as an accomplishment and, and that she followed this after, you know, she was nominated just last year for Lady Bird. Uh, you know, uh, what's your take? I went Greta Gerwig as well, but, you know, it's like a twofold situation. On the one hand, I think she is extremely deserving. Then I do think she has a very real shot of getting this nomination. But I do have to admit that I was not going to talk about this category without putting a female director in my number five position. Mm-hmm. I think it is, it, it has to happen. There's no reason for it not to happen this year. And if me going out on a limb and making my fifth prediction, that is going to make any, like even if it's the tiniest little sliver of a difference out there, I'm going to keep talking about all of these women that deserve to be in this Jeff. category right now. Okay, who's your number five? I mean, when you say it has to happen, why does it have to happen? Because it's deserving. See, but, I but would... every year there are men that are left out that are deserving as well. There's only five no, of slots. Course. A lot of people who are deserving get left out, and some of, of those course. people are going to be it, women. But it just so happens that this year in particular, I have a significant amount of women who I think are deserving and are not being considered whatsoever. Now, whereas, so do I, if, because you know how I feel about The Farewell, and yes. you know how I feel about A Beautiful Day in yes. the Neighborhood. I think those movies are excellent. If, if I were in charge of picking the five nominees for Best Director, I could definitely pull out a namer to and make some room for and I'm not talking about making room just to accommodate having a lady director in the mix. I'm talking about giving these nominations to people with exceptional work on their resumes that shouldn't be talked about right now and are being left off. What what we don't, what people don't understand is what these awards are actually for and what they actually represent. When, When you say best director, you're not talking about the people, the five people who made the best movies. Now I would take the farewell and a beautiful day in the neighborhood over the Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood any day of the week. Okay, The Farewell is way, way better movie than The Irishman. But The Farewell and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood are not the kind of movies that are generally recognized in the best director category because they're not very flashy in terms of the filmmaking. And that, unfortunately, is what gets rewarded. And and unfortunately, women are not being hired to direct those kinds of movies that lend themselves to best director nominations. If you had put together a list a year ago of what movies, looking at the calendar, would get nominated for best director, The Farewell would not be on it. Because you're not thinking of it in terms of this is the kind of movie that would get a Best Director nomination, I, even though it's totally worthy. But, you know what but I mean? This, yeah, no, I, I understand your point. And, uh, but at the same time, last year, I mean, was Lady Bird a flashy movie? I mean, it was a but, very good but, film. But it had a very authoritative voice, which is where I see what you guys are saying with Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Because I think that her movie, even though I haven't seen it, from what I gather, has the, the most authorship it to does it, oh, it absolutely. really really does yeah, but just does, going back to sure. something else you had just said let's say that this year my top five and a couple after were just all men and that's how it was then my concern would be oh maybe just women aren't getting the same amount of opportunities that would be my concern right, they have the opportunities this the movies year, are there the yeah, work is absolutely there no one's arguing oh that. no but but that's i think that's why i'm so upset about this because not only is greta gerwig worthy of a nomination but i also think 
think that if I went with the flashy route, a film that is flashy enough to get into this, then let's talk about Lorene Scafaria for Hustlers, because Hustlers is clearly getting a lot of love and a very likely chance for Jennifer Lopez to get a nomination. That is a flashy movie with a whole bunch of authorship to it. She should be considered. I completely agree. Yeah. And maybe like they were considered. Like That's what I don't understand. Only five people can get in. So how do we know that these people weren't given a fair shot and actually considered by the by the voters? Well, like, I mean, we don't know. Lorenz Scafari did a great a job. While. But is is Hustlers the kind of movie that people generally think of as an awards movie? No, it's not. Now, here's the thing. With this best director hoo-ha uh, this week over the Globes, mm. I think it would be a horrible mistake, and I know I think you would agree with me, Sasha Stone would agree with me, to give women their own category. That, that is so condescending of, and insulting. One of the worst decisions that you could possibly make. I think it would be less bad, but equally problematic to expand the category from five to seven or eight, even though I think that would solve a problem. I think you'd absolutely see more female nominees. Yeah. And I so, think, so that, think there that, are 30 acting nominees. So why are there only five director nominees? You know what I mean? Uh, I, that's, so you think that best director should be expanded just like best picture? Potentially I, to, I, to I'm, a I'm hard seven or eight. For, I'm, I'm talking about for the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. I still think that the Oscars should stay to five. Well, I also but, st- still think in talking about best director and using the Golden Globe nominations as kind of like a launch pad to digging into a, scu- a discussion like this, it's like, like any kind of rage that I might be emitting right now isn't really coming from a very viable place because I don't think that the best director category at the Golden Globes is necessarily a sign of what's right, to come. Right? Why, why is this the hill to die on? Like we, we, everyone like says, well, the Golden Globes are important because they provide visibility and the show is watched and, and you know, like people do take it seriously. But on the other hand, we all write it off as like ninety foreign journalists who are bribed every, every year. Like, you know, what are, we got to choose? Are we taking this show seriously? Is this something that Alma Harrell should really be risking her reputation on and tweeting and deleting tweets? Okay, about are we taking it seriously or are we laughing enough? What are we doing? Personally, I look at the Golden Globes as a very entertaining night when we get to celebrate cinema. I'll take any opportunity to celebrate cinema. But as far as are we taking the Globes seriously or not, I think it doesn't even matter which way you go on it. If it's an awards organization that's in the spotlight and something needs to change about it and someone's willing to speak up about that all the power to them to do it. If if it's a risky move for that individual, I can't speak to whether or not you should take that risk. But I think if they need to change the way they're voting for these awards, good on someone for standing up for it. Here's what I will say about uh, all, all the, the noise this week around this issue, because I think journalists really don't understand it. I think it will benefit uh, women when it comes to the Oscar nominations. I think that people are listening, and I have not given my fifth pick yet. Okay, who is, what is your fifth pick? I don't think it's going to be Greta Gerwig. Who will be? Uh, I think it's going to be Lulu Wang, who, who just made a fantastic film this year. I well, think I agree with The you. same way that Chloe Zhao made The Rider last year, I think that this is a kind of singular work from Lulu Wang, um, and I think that she will be recognized and get an Oscar nomination. I think that director is always a very weird category at the Oscars, whether it's Ben Affleck not getting nominated, Ben Zeitlin getting in, mm-hmm. Pavel Pavelkowski got in, right? Yep. Like, you know, for Cold War, weird stuff happens in this category. 
And I think Lulu Wong is going to be the surprise and the toast of the town. What would make me happy is seeing both names on that list in the end, because I, I really truly adore both movies and their work in it. But the only concern I have with The Farewell is... I think its chances are better in the screenplay category than directing, and that's where I think most of the spotlight might go to. That's a completely fair argument. Yeah, but I, I they think may that, say, well, recognizing her for this category, why do we need to get her best That's part of the reason why I think she might get the bump from this uh, one. Farewell is one of my favorite movies of the year. I think it's absolutely deserving to get nominated for Best Director. It's my number one on the honorable mentions list, and I could easily swap places with Greta Gerwig's Little Women for that because I, you know, between the two films, I actually think The Farewell is a more, it's a better film. It's a, it's a more relatable uh, story overall. Um, but I think that when I, if I'm really gonna, just going to put my head and think, how does the Academy think about this? I think that The Farewell will, will show a Best Actress for Aquafina, even if it didn't for the SAG Awards. And I think that screenplay is where Lula Wong will get recognized. I, I'm just talking, like, I think that journalists are, are really being, um, it, it's working against them. They're working against themselves in the actual goal. Voters do not want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And they showed that last year with Green Book, which was just a, a really great movie, I'm sorry to say. Um, and Don't be sorry. I agree with you. <laughs> the, the Green, Bo- Green, Green Book was great, and voters recognized that, and it didn't matter what journalists were, were saying. And you can't – I don't think that there should – definitely have to be women nominated every year. I think that is a absurd, insulting, offensive argument to women. It's so condescending. But this year, Perry is right. The work is there. And The Farewell was one of the top five movies of the year. And, and that's practically a fact in my book. Well, I, I too would love to see both Greta and Lulu get nominated. But then who would you bump off between Bong, Quentin Tarantino, Scorsese, and Sam Mendes? Personal list. Yeah. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't think that's his best directed movie by any stretch. So if it was my personal list, I would take Tarantino off. But we're predicting here. So I think... Why not Joker? Why not Todd Phillips? Why, are, why is Todd Phillips uh, not See, getting... I, mean, I think you know, he's I not think getting the, an Oscar nomination. I also think that the, the Joker scenario is very similar to what I just brought up with The Farewell. I think that other categories are taking up more of Joker's spotlight, and Definitely it's got a much actor. better chance of getting Best Actor. And even at this point, maybe even, you know getting into that best picture category than it does getting him a directing nomination. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the fact that uh, Todd Phillips did get nominated for a Golden Globe, one of four nominations for that movie, uh, I think that uh, at the Globes, I think is uh, a strong uh, showing for him because no one was really talking about him enough for best director, even though the movie did not direct itself. But I think that uh, Todd Phillips is a very strong honorable mention. Perry. Can I throw out one more name here? Yeah. I'm wondering what you guys think. Uh, Noah Baumbach. Because no, Bombach. Yep. No, Marriage, Marriage Story, Story is clearly going to rack up quite a few nominations. Do you think he has any chance of getting in here? Yes, I do think he has a chance. But again, I think that just like with Lula Wong, where she'll fare better in a screenplay category, I think Noah Bombach will also fare better in a screenplay category. And I think that uh, Laura Dern and Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson will fare quite well in the acting categories. I agree with Jeff. that. Yeah, I think, I think Noah Bombach has an uphill battle when it comes to best director. I just think that he'll think of him as a, as a writer first and foremost almost like Woody Allen um, is thought of as a writer more than a director yep um, good point yeah okay uh, what about what about someone like uh, you know who's being overlooked to me is someone like Taika Waititi G- well Taika Waititi eh, a, 
Yeah, he's being overlooked too. But um, James Mangold is really being. Oh, overlooked. I completely Man- agree. Mangold did like like he just hit another mainstream like home run. Like this movie is just a board Ferrari. It's great. Yeah. yeah, like I don't know anyone who comes out of this movie being like, nah, that wasn't for me. Like, <laughs> who? It, it was so much fun, and it was like old school. It's it, a great movie. Yeah. Ford v Ferrari needs is to be a considered great in movie. the same way that we're talking about Sam Mendes. Really, I I, I think that that between the nineteen seventy and Ford v. Ferrari. Ford v. Ferrari is a, is a better film. It's, it's a more fully realized movie. I, I, everything about that movie is great. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Ford v. Ferrari. And it's so entertaining. It's so entertaining that I think people just aren't giving it the Oscar credibility that it deserves. Just to throw two more names into the mix, uh, how about Ryan Johnson and the Safdie brothers? Yeah. Uh, Safdie, I was going to mention. When I when I think about you know who I choose for my favorite directors of the year, one of the like the top things I often think about is can anybody else out there direct that movie quite like they did? And guys like Ryan Johnson. The Safdie brothers, Greta Gerwig, also for Little Women. I feel like those individuals have put their mark so clearly I, on those movies I that nobody else could have touched it. Ryan Johnson is the same sort of thing with Knives Out, where it's just not the kind of flashly yeah. directed movie that I think would get nominated. Totally agree the with Safdies, that. Safdie's the opposite end of that argument. It may be too much. Well, the, another name I want to throw in here is Pedro Almodovar for Pain and Glory, uh, one of his best movies in a very long time. Very autobiographical. Uh, I think that his name should be mentioned, but I don't know if he's going to make the final cut here, even if uh, uh, Pain and Glory does make it in as a as best foreign film, as a nominee. But uh, getting back to our top five here, I think we all agree that Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman and Sam Mendes for 1917 are locks. Let's pick the number five. Are we going I'll, Greta I'll, Gerwig? I'll give you the Greta Gerwig thing okay. uh, since I haven't you know, seen the movie. All right, and I, I also think the other reason it. that as much as I think that uh, Farewell is a better film, I think the other thing that gives uh, Greta Gerwig the edge here for Best Director to get a nomination is the fact that the movie opens on Christmas Day. The, the nominees will, you know, the uh, polls will be open for the nominees. And, and uh, Farewell came out over the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Little Women's going to be get, getting all the heat because it's going to be in theaters now. So I think there's our five, right? Yeah, I'm okay. comfortable with that list. I'm comfortable with that list too. And, you know, one thing we also have to say is in addition to all the big news that we've been covering on Collider FYC today is the fact that our sponsor – who we just haven't mentioned enough during this show, is Arclight Cinemas. We love Arclight Cinemas. They've been sponsoring Collider screenings for years. This year, they are our sponsor for Colliders for your consideration. And what a great sponsor it is. We had our third Collider FYC screening last Saturday at the Arclight Cinema in Hollywood for Rocket Man with director Dexter Fletcher and co-stars Jamie Bell and Golden Globe and SAG Award nominee Taryn Edgerton, moderated by the amazing <laughs> Perry Nemiroff. How much fun was that oh, Q&A? Oh, my God. That whole event was just wild, and there was so much energy. They were playing Rocket Man music in the, in the lobby out there, and they had costumes and everything. So it was like before the movie even started, 
you just you kind of felt that infectious vibe that the movie has, but also getting to see Rocketman again on the big screen in the dome. In the dome. I feel like I'm not just saying it, I swear, because we did this with them, but seeing that movie up on the big screen and just like what it took to I don't know, like even just scene transitions and like that bit at the beginning where the color palette I there's so many little things that I'm growing to appreciate even more so seeing it up there like that. But then obviously the audience was so enthusiastic when we brought the three of them out and it was a great conversation and we've got a little clip of it for you right here actually can you tell me about the one scene i think they're in a a bar and it's when um someone outs elton in front of bernie i just wonder if when you deliver a line there because when you ask him does that matter just the way that bernie responds just the tone of his voice something about that feels so perfect where a line like that could have gone any which way do you know in a moment like that when you're performing like that's the one I got it. Never. <laughs> Basic. I probably left that day going, F- that up as well. Definitely not there. There's something about that that is just so pitch perfect to me. Well, Dexter really led me through that, actually, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's all to the director, because we're, not, we're in the scene, we're conversing with each other, and we're not looking at the monitor, so it's, it's him. But I think it, it does speak to... Bernie is a man. He's just so accepting, so loving in, in this beautiful platonic way, which is lovely between two men in a film. But, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's something that we discussed, but it is, it's always the guys who are front and centre, you know, and, and, and it is great, and, and that's the great honour of, 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 of being the director of, of, and working with guys like this because you have an idea or you have a discussion or you bring something forward but then it's the guys that do it and they execute it in this sort of extraordinary way that you go, well, I thought that would be a good idea, but I didn't know it was that f***ing good. I mean, you know, it's because they, they play it so beautifully and, and it's the same. Yeah, but he's being humble there, actually. There's, it's oh. not, it's, I love you for it, but it's not true. And actually, there is an element of, for me as an actor, having worked with Dexter twice, you know, it, when, you are, when you're an actor in a film, you're essentially revealing bits of you and your personality through the prism of another character and it can feel really exposing and there's a strange thing that happens to you where you become sort of super sensitive you know I always think about it like a lobster that's getting dropped in a pot you know because you like you become you know because you're trying to reveal something honest and any critique of it can feel really hard to take and I've never had that with Dex it always you always feel nurtured there's always an atmosphere of play and joy and you always feel like you're working towards a shared goal so you're wrong Okay, I'll take that, I'll take that. They, they couldn't do it without me, I'm a genius. If you want to watch the full conversation that we had in the Dome at Arclight, you are going to have that available to you on Collider.com real soon, so keep an eye out on the website and we'll post it. Keep an eye out for a lot of things here on Collider Video for FYC. Next week on Colliders for your consideration, we're going to get into best cinematography and what better way to get into Jeff Snyder's conversation with Joker cinematographer Lawrence Schur than by focusing on that category. We want to give a big, big, huge thanks to our partners at Arclight Cinema. They really are making this season of Collider FIC very, very, very special. And everyone is really digging the Collider FIC screenings at the Arclight Cinema in Hollywood. We got a lot more coming and we'll let you know as soon as those are are confirmed but make sure you please share and like our conversation and like collider fic share it retweet it get it out there and make sure you comment below hit us up on twitter at the in snyder 
P. Nemiroth and Movie Mance. And make sure you come back to Collider FYC next time. Until next time, FYC. See you later. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.